Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Oh, here we go, boys. Go. Love that sound. This is a good one. Welcome everybody to this week's weekend recap and rant. Thanks uh, for joining me here. So this past weekend we had uh, quite, quite the busy weekend. Pretty fantastic, I must say. Um. Saturday, well, let's let's back up. Um, let's go to Friday. Friday, um, I happened to get off work a little bit early, so I was able to meet Joel and go pre-fishing. Joel being my uh, fishing tournament fishing partner for the Minnesota Made Panfish Tournament Series. <laughs> it's just there's just a lot of words. I don't know what I don't know what you want me to do. It's just a lot of words there. <laughs> Anyways, so. Um, if you're just joining the show, I'm in a nice fishing league called Minnesota Made Outdoors. There. That was pre- that was easy enough, right? Uh, we're coming into event three of four, which was this past Sunday. Now the second. So now we are at the last day of January, and it's a Friday. So I get off work. There. Are we, are we caught up to speed? I feel like we're caught up to speed now. Okay. So uh, we have a little bit of time to pre-fish and scout a little bit. So we go out, and we check a few spots for crappies and uh and we find them um and they're all you know what we've already seen and what we've heard they're all pretty cookie cutter size you know nothing no giants in there that we're aware of anyways um so we're like well it's been a week let's just run over quick and check our bluegill spot and make sure those fish are still where they were where I found them a week ago so we go over there, we drill some holes, and I'm not really finding them 
where I found them a week the week prior. There's some still around, but they were not in the numbers that they were before. And the spot that I thought was a better spot held even less. So not quite sure why that was. Uh, this lake is kind of weird because usually, you know, when you're dealing with, and these are really shallow um, bluegills. When, you, when you're dealing with, like, ice fishing really shallow, you're generally going to be looking for uh, weeds, live weeds, nice green weeds. And there's not a lot of that in this lake. You know, dead and dying milfoil. Um, it's all covered in algae. looks kind of nasty. Um, and then I, the one spot I thought was really good and was holding a ton of fish was had some nice green weeds in it. Um, they were short, but they were, you know, it was it looked lush down there with the camera. And there was holding a lot of fish. So I was like, well, obviously that's a better spot. But when we checked it again Friday, that wasn't really the case. They, for whatever reason, those crappy dying weeds, which generally don't hold much, were kind of holding the, the fish. And um, I don't know, it kind of flies in the face of, of what you think, what makes sense, because, you know, dying vegetable matter or vegetation, if you will, um, it burns up oxygen uh, when it's decomposing. So it's kind of, I was kind of surprised that they were there because generally they'll be, you know, a part of the lake that doesn't have great oxygen and fish will avoid it. But I clearly was not the case. I'm not, maybe there's a spring going on down there or some sort of light current that we couldn't detect or I don't know. But at some point, you just don't argue with your eyeballs. <laughs> if you're seeing fish there, they, they're there for a reason, whether it be food or cover or whatever it is. So I'm like, well, this is where they're at. And um, so that's, you know, then, then the debate starts to settle in. Like, oh, what do we do? Do we chase bluegills early first, you know, tournament? Or should we go get our crappies early? Because a lot of times, you know, crappies, low light, they bite the best at low light. So maybe your chance of getting better than average crappies might happen first thing. But then these bluegills are in such shallow water. And from what I saw there's only so many spots on the lake that are even holding bluegills. So I was assuming that there were, this spot would receive a ton of pressure. So it's like, well, if we get there, you know, if everybody goes after the crappies, which is pretty common first thing, maybe we should go after the bluegills first. There'll be less pressure in there. Maybe we can pluck a couple good ones and then go get our crappies. You know, that because from what we saw, they're all pretty much the same size anyways, whether you catch them at low light or midday or whatever. So, you know, maybe that wasn't that big of a risk. <clears throat> I don't know. We kept, we, Joel and I just kept going back and forth with that. So once we wrapped that up, then it was time to get ready for the following day, which was February 1st. Now, this is where stuff gets really exciting because um, we've been building up for this event for quite a while. So Minnesota Maine Outdoors hooked up with Hometown Hero Outdoors. And if you don't know what that is, first of all, go check them out on Facebook and uh, Instagram, I believe, social media. And look, Google them. Look them up. It's a great organization. It's uh, helping to get out um, veterans, active military, and law enforcement personnel active in the outdoors you know it's not always fishing it can be hunting but it's not always fishing and hunting and it can just be camping or hiking or you know it's just 
to get people outdoors and give them a sense of community um, for those members. And they, they do a fantastic job. And if you haven't listened to this episode um, before, I sit down with uh, the founders of Hometown Hero Outdoors, Tony Testing and Andy Graff. So go ahead and, and look back at the available episodes of Full Scale Outdoors podcast and listen to that, kind of get a little background in that. Um, it was pretty cool. So then, so Jake um, from Minnesota Made Outdoors contacted me and he's like, hey, do you can I get the contact information for Tony from Hometown Heroes Outdoors? We This year we were looking for something for Minnesota Made to kind of give back to the community, and I want to see if they'd be interested in, in, in an event. Um, yeah, ab- heck yeah, <laughs> duh, of course. So I give them their um, contact. They start talking. All of a sudden word starts getting around, like they're planning this big thing, and they're like, all right, this is what we want to do. We want to set up this tournament like a fishing contest where we get teams of hometown hero outdoors members and they, you know, teams of two, just kind of like our league, but they'll be guided by volunteer members of the Minnesota made outdoors league. They bring it up. And of course, everybody's on board. Like, heck yeah, that'd be super fun. So this thing, the wheels kind of start turning on this. They start formulating a plan. They're like, well, we should get some good prizes. They made like a simple post and absolutely were, overwhelmed and flooded by the amount of people and companies willing to donate really good prizes uh, for this event. So this thing just started ballooning and growing and it was amazing. So that was Saturday. We get out there and we meet our teams and um, it's just super cool. We had a bunch of volunteers out there. Traeger was out there. I wish I had the list. Um, Okay, I don't have a list on me of all the sponsors, but there was there was a bunch of I think it was over like eight thousand dollars in prizes. It's just it, it was unbelievable. So I get out there and I meet my team, um, and they were super cool. I had Clint and Natalie. Oh, good job me for remembering names. Woo! <laughs> and they were so cool. And it's like not everybody is super competitive, you know. Even though this was a contest. And, you know, there's a raffle, so there's still a chance to, to win some good prizes, even if you don't win. Or, you know, there's, like, prizes for first fish. Or they would randomly announce, like, okay, next fish brought up, gets a blah, blah, blah. Um, and so some people just wanted to kind of fish for fun. So we were kind of instructed by um, Jake and Paul to, like, talk to your teammates, see what they want out of today. We just want to, them to have fun and whatever. So I'm like, well, well, how do you guys want to do this today? And uh, you want to win? You want? Are you guys competitive? What do you want to do? And they were both like, yeah, we're competitive. I'm like, all right. <laughs> That's what I like to hear. So uh, I was like, okay, well, here's what's going to happen. We're going to drill a lot of holes. We're going to be moving around. We're going to try to constantly stay on fish. So how this is st- this is on Green Lake. Now, this is on the lake that we're going to tournament fish, but we're doing it in kind of a confined area. So we don't we're not burning out our tournament spots but we did you know we had people looking for a spot that would hold fish so we you know we definitely wanted people to catch fish obviously um so we kind of picked up a community hole that probably nobody would fish on tournament day anyways um just because there's you know permanent shacks out there and and a lot of traffic and generally speaking we don't fish those areas so we we hold it there and it you know 
they sound the horn, everybody takes off and, and starts fishing. And um, Clint knew what he was doing. He's been fishing for a long time. He didn't need a ton of coaching. Um, gave him a couple tips and tricks here, and he, and he follows directions really well. And Natalie, uh, outside of going ice fishing like once or twice when she was like a little kid, um, this is her first year ice fishing. So she was a sponge, and she um, really followed directions very well, and she took to it um, like a natural, and she was plucking fish out right away. And so for this one, so for our normal league, it's seven and seven. So seven bluegills, seven crappies, and then if you have a, a limit of both, then you get a bonus fish. Uh, the way we were doing it for this event was ten, uh, pretty much of any panfish. And it was not likely we were going to catch any bluegills because they just weren't in the spot. But So we opened it up to perch, too. So it was uh, 10 of of any kind, perch or crappies, and they just had to be 7 inches was the minimum. Um, so that was that was pretty cool. And uh, people started catching fish right away. We had four um, crappies in the bucket. And then the bite just kind of died off and it got real tough. And uh, we, we kind of our little confined spot where we had everybody – um, started to expand as the bite got tougher and people started drilling more holes and drilling more holes. And and then we had other people running around with, um, like, live scope or pan optics. There was a couple teams out there. And I, I don't want to say teams. Like, uh, people had it in, like, Minnesota Main Outdoors. So they were using it, and they're like, all right, the fish are over there. So everybody would converge over there. And um, and while it was competitive, it was always it was always – it was also very lighthearted, so it wasn't, you know, people wanted to win, but it wasn't like, hey, you're fishing too close. So there was none of that. Like, there was just none of that. If somebody saw somebody put a fish in the bucket, it was a, a congratulations. It wasn't like, dang it. And uh, so we fished until 1 o'clock, and that was way in time. And unfortunately, I couldn't coach us into a, a full bag. We We stalled out at seven crappies i believe and we just needed yeah so i like went in i tried to get three seven inch perch which should be super easy to catch but we just couldn't we kept getting like seven and three quarter six and three quarters six and seven eighths couldn't quite get to that seven inch mark but so i don't i don't remember what place we took overall but we probably wasn't that high some people had full bags and um but bottom of the but the bottom line was everybody just had an amazing time. Like I said, Traeger was out there, and they grilled up a bunch of food. Um, they had brisket out there. And we just the prizes were, well, we ended up giving away, raffling off a Traeger grill. And the guy that won it was just, like, dumbfounded when they when they read his name off. He couldn't believe it. So that was, like, super cool. Um, the winning team got some cool plaques, just, this, like, the same kind we get when we win. Uh, an event so that's very cool um tons of like custom rods were given out um there was a bear hunt given away turkey hunts given away uh, gift cards uh, tackle it just it's it was unbelievable it, it, it was so i was so pumped for it and i, I was so happy and overjoyed that it, that it went off without a hitch and it was just I just don't see how it could have been any more successful than it was. And I'm just so happy that these two groups found each other. And this is definitely the first annual 
HHO and Minnesota Made Outdoors event. We are definitely going to be doing this every year, and I have a feeling it's just going to grow because it was pretty damn cool. Um, so that was that was Saturday. And then uh, originally we were going to, like, uh, maybe pre-fish some more because, you know, the weigh was at 1, and then it takes, you know, an hour or so to, to weigh everybody in and, and do the raffling and blah, blah, blah. So there was still plenty of time in the day to pre-fish, but I kind of felt like we – kind of felt like we found what we were going to find and we the information we got was you know what we we're going to have and as almost you start running the risk of giving away some spots you know because everybody's there now they're all there for the event but the lake is small and i i assumed it was going to fish really small where you know we were going to be within you know you could see other teams and we're all going to kind of be fishing for the same fish at least when it came down to the bluegills the crappies you know Basin crappies, and this lake kind of has a couple different basins, if you will. I mean, it's really all kind of one big bowl, but there's little different, you know, pieces of structure down there that kind of separate it into multiple groups. So I knew that wouldn't be too crowded, um, but I thought for sure the sunfish area was going to get beat to death. So we had, we just called it, and I'm like, I didn't sleep for shit. Friday night. I was so excited about this hometown hero event. And I mean, I was looking forward to it, but I like wasn't nervous or I wasn't really going over like strategies in my head, kind of like what happens to me before one of our tournaments. I was just really looking forward to the event. But apparently, I was more excited than I thought I was because I don't remember. I woke up in the middle of the night, like 2 33 o'clock in the morning or something, and just my brain just started racing. I just started thinking about the event and and how I'm going to fish and how I'm going to coach and, and I just couldn't shut my brain off. So I just did not sleep at all pretty much Friday night. So I was like, I am beat. I'm going to go home. I'm going to get a meal and relax and hopefully go to sleep early. I am wore out. I should sleep good. I'll be well rested for the event. And uh, yeah, that didn't happen either. <laughs> Kind of the same thing. I woke up, and I thought, ah, oh, dang it. I woke up well before my alarm again. So I went to bed pretty early, like 8, 30, 9 o'clock. I mean, my head hit the pillow. I was done. I mean, I was exhausted. Then I woke up, and uh, I'm tossing and turning. I'm like, oh, I'm kind of thirsty. I should get, get some water, blah, blah, blah. I finally look over at the clock thinking it's like, you know, again, like three thirty, four o'clock, and my alarm's going to go off in a half hour, hour, whatever. And... It was like 12.30, 1 o'clock. What? Oh, my God. Now, and so I actually did get up and I got water. So now I'm kind of awake, you know, a little bit. And because I, I was kind of slowly waking myself up, thinking it was closer to my alarm than obviously it was. So I'm like, ah, screw it. Screw the alarm. I should just get up and get going. But because it's 12.30, 1 o'clock, uh, no. So I try to go back to sleep. And there goes the mind. Boom, 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 just rolling, rolling, rolling around. What are we going to do? Are we going to fish bluegills first? Are we going to fish crappies first? How should we do it? Should we go big lures really aggressive to try to get those bigger gills? And I just could not shut my brain off. And then I finally was able to, like, talk myself out of that a little bit. But then my brain went to snow goose hunting. Now, that might seem really rare or really odd and a weird jump, but it's not because this week I'm leaving to go down south, go to Arkansas to guide spring snow goose conservation order hunts. So 
I'm like, I got so much to do. It's such a quick turnaround. Just a couple days to get, you know, put the ice fishing stuff up, do laundry, pack. So all this is going on in my brain, blah, 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 blah. So, yeah, I did not sleep Saturday night either. So finally, whatever, alarm does actually go off, and I wrestle, and I get up, and I get everything going. Fortunately, you know, everything was pretty much ready um, from the day before. I just had to, you know, charge up some batteries. That was, that was about it. So, well, I'll let my stuff dry out. So anyway, we go to the, the vent, we get lined up, and we still cannot decide <laughs> what we're going to do. And it was funny because I talked to um, Nick and from the team that's in the lead right now for Team of the Year in the first place. And I'm like, well, do you got a plan? He's like, I just I can't make up my mind what I want to do. And and he, I'm like, what do you mean? And he said, like, pretty much the he's in the same dilemma as I was. He's like, I don't know if we should get our crappies first or try to go for our bluegills, blah, blah, blah. He's like, I feel like I got to. I got to make up my mind now or I won't sleep. And so I talked to him in the morning. I'm like, well, did you figure it out? He's like, no, I didn't sleep. <laughs> I was like, oh, man. <sighs> so at least we're both in the same boat there. I said, I think, and it was pretty much a game time decision. We finally, Joel and I finally both just agreed, all right, let's go do this. And so we did go after our bluegills first. And so we run over there, and there was a few teams doing the same thing. We saw, you know, we saw the people spread out over the basin to go after crappies, and we saw a few teams head to the shallows for, for bluegills. Um, but it didn't really fish as small as I thought it was going to be. People actually were spread out quite a bit. And so I we pre-drill a bunch of holes. I shouldn't say pre-drill. We drill a bunch of holes. And we're in like four or five feet of water. I mean, like really, really, really shallow. And when we were scouting we're dropping the camera down there and somebody would walk up and crunching on that snow they those fish would scatter so tournament day we really like you know obviously you're making noise and you're drilling holes there's nothing you could do about that but you drill a big area and then you go back to like the first holes you drilled and you had to walk up there super quiet and uh these man these bluegills they they were there but they weren't they were kind of they were biting pretty light they were a little bit finicky and so you, you really kind of had to work for them to give them the bite and so we got our limit of bluegills and we had a couple decent ones in there nothing you know mind-blowing because i just don't think they're in the lake um and then we finally tear off to go crappie fishing it was kind of like a change of the guard we were going out to the crappie spots and the crappie people were coming into this bluegill spots and uh, we we head to our first spot and it's a spot that we pre-fished we found, and there wasn't much other sign that anybody else had been fishing it. I think we found uh, there was like a few really old holes that were drilled there. And uh, so when we went out there, it looked the same. Like we saw our holes, and we didn't really see any new holes. We're like, sweet, we might have this spot to ourselves. And we picked this spot not because it had a ton of fish, but because we were picking you know slightly better than average fish there than we were. Like we had a couple other spots that had a lot more fish but they were all that cookie cutter size and we just found you know smaller schools but better fish so we thought well let's go there and maybe we can get a, a better than average bag because um, i just didn't I, I felt like the my prediction was all the bags are going to be really 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 close you know just going to be separated by ounces i didn't i didn't see anybody absolutely running away with it with you know some giants i mean i'm talking like 10 inch crappies here 
you know, 10 inch crappies, eight inch gills, like nothing, nothing mind blowing. And, uh, so we start picking some up, but all of a sudden there's perch everywhere. Like we didn't catch any perch when we were pre-fishing in this spot. And now all of a sudden there's just like the screens lit up and there's a bunch of perch, but there are still crappies mixed in. So we start picking up our crappies and we're getting a little frustrated because they're not the size that we want. And we're not even like keeping the minimum size them is eight inches for crappies. And we're like, that's not going to be enough. We just start letting them go. And that's kind of day where I'm like, you know what? Just look, we we just need to keep these just to get our limit. It's going to make my brain ease up because if we take this stuff for granted and all of a sudden the bite just turns off and we don't have a full limit, we are totally screwed. Um, and Joel's like, I don't want to keep. I'm like, I don't want to keep either, but I definitely don't want to come in without a full bag. So we kept a couple of those, and we're like, we'll just have to upgrade them, you know. And uh, so we fished that spot, and then I'll, here comes another team, and then another team comes over to our spot. We're like, what in the heck? Nobody was over here before, but that's just kind of how it goes, you know. Um, so it's got a little smaller, and then uh, I don't know, kind of got crowded out a little bit. We're like, I just let's go to our secondary spot. Nobody's over there right now. And it's kind of over by a community hall, but we pulled off of the edge a little bit. And went over there, and we proceeded to, we did a few upgrades over there with our crappies. And um, I kind of felt like we got them as big as we were going to get them. Um, and I really wasn't happy with our bluegill bag. I, th- I thought we definitely had room to upgrade. We had, like, one one good one and one kind of good one, and the rest were all, like, the average size. So I'm like, let's go back over there and try to upgrade these gills a little bit. Now, there was more people over there fishing now, and it had been getting beat to piss all day long. So my thought was, let's slide in even shallower. And because when I was, the when I had first scouted it, there I the weeds went in quite a ways, and I did see some fish back in there, not a lot, but some. So my thought was, because of all the pressure on the, on the edge on the perimeter that maybe that pressure would you know push him in a little shallower so we kind of gave it a wide berth and we snuck in there and uh drilled some holes where we didn't see any holes drilled we kind of went for virgin snow where there wasn't any traffic and uh we did start to catch a few more fish we made a couple small upgrades and then uh and then the bell so we had to take off and head back to weigh in it's like what we got's what we got and it's you know I wasn't feeling great about it, but I also knew that everybody's going to have pretty similar bags. So I'm like, you know, it's it's a toss-up. I don't know. We could come in 20th. We might come in first. I don't know. I mean, it really just all, you know, it depends. So you get back, and you start talking to people, and what did you get? What do you got? And and uh, nobody had any giants until, of course, I talked to um, Nick and Leaf, and they said they had two 11-inch crappies and one really nice gill. I was like, well. You guys want it yet again. <laughs> I mean, you know, because I'm like, everybody else I talked to didn't have anything remotely close to that, you know, all the cookie cutter stuff. So as everybody starts to weigh in, you know, we see the bags and um, cut to the chase. Um, Nick and Leaf did end up winning again, uh, pretty much solidifying their uh, spot for team of the year with one event to go. Um, and we came in fourth place. So... Pretty happy, still in the top five. Um, obviously, you, you always want a win, but you know I knew the bags were all really close. They were all really close. 
except for Leaf and Nick. I mean, they did kind of run away with it. They were half pound more than um, team number two. And then from team number two, they were like, everything is like super close together. So, um, so congratulations to Nick and Leaf yet again. So they took first, second, and first <laughs> this year. They are absolutely killing it. And Nick's team for the Hometown Hero event, he won that too. So he's just he is just dialed in this year, and um, they are definitely the team to beat. So we looked at the standings today, and um, we're seven points back. So it's not impossible going into this next uh, the next event. So I mean. However we place, we're going to need Nick and Leaf to, you know, finish eight spots below us for us to somehow steal team of the year, which I just, I don't know. I mean, we're going to fish like we can, but it's just, you know, the way, if they're going first, second, and then first, I mean, for them to go into that event and just all of a sudden do terrible, it's, it's not really likely. Um, there is an outside chance because this lake uh, has the potential for some really big bags, but it also is can be tough. Um, so people that have been out scouting has, have found some crappies, but they haven't found gills, and so it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough bite. And if I thought Green Lake fish small, this lake's really gonna fish small. So um, kind of community holes, and who knows what that pressure is going to do. And actually, I probably won't even fish that event, to be honest, because I'll be down in Arkansas. Unless some weird weather thing happens or the birds move or, you know, some weird thing happens where that weekend of the tournament, I don't have clients, uh, I'll run back up and fish it. But I'm assuming that's not going to happen, and uh, we got Sean Lake. He's going to fill in for me. Um, used to fish in the UPL. He's retired in air quotes because he's already he's already filled in um, for a team. He actually uh, oh, what what was it? Oh, it was Clearwater. Then when they came in second, he filled in for a Leaf. So they helped him take second place. So um, so he's gonna he's gonna be me. He's gonna be me for the, the last event. Oh, and they, they filled in for one other event too. I think the first was it Chisago? I don't remember. I think he's going to have fished three of the four events, something like that. I'm pretty sure. Anyways, um, he's kind of the the roaming fill-in spot. So there it is. You know, we did we did a little scouting today down in that lake, uh, some pre-fishing, and it was a tough bite, man. Whew, man, it was tough. They were finicky as can be. So, but we are kind of on a, a cold front. So it, it's – what I'm getting at here is there's a chance – um, just because where all the bags are really close in green, I think there's going to be huge gaps and drop-offs from from teams. You know, I think a few teams are going to come in with really really impressive bags, and then everybody else is going to struggle to probably fill a bag. So there's there there is a chance there. But it can also work opposite. You know, there's a chance we could do really well and uh, they don't quite get the kicker fish or they don't quite get the fish they need and they fall, you know, some spots down. So it is possible, but however unlikely. And it could definitely happen the opposite way. I mean, we could somehow completely shit to bed and lose our second place spot, you know. Not that it really matters because there's no prizes for second. <laughs> you know, if you ain't first, you're last. But... um 
you know, it matters for your own ego or your own goals. I don't see us falling out of the top five, so I feel pretty good overall about this season because going into it, our goals were um, so we finished top ten last year. Our goals were this year to finish top five and to, to win a lake, to get some plaques, and we did that. So we met our goal. Whatever happens in that last uh, event, uh, anything's a bonus at this point. So that's where we're sitting. So we'll have to – Wait and see how that goes. I'll be in touch with Joel remotely as I'm in Arkansas and he's up here. And I'll try to give as much input as I can, pouring over maps and uh, going over scenarios and try to give my the input as best I can. Um, but that's that, yeah. And so now as I just got done, mostly I got some clothes I still got to, to, to wash and throw in the laundry and pack. But most I have most of my snow goose hunting stuff put together. Uh, the wheeler's already loaded up in the truck. And uh, tomorrow morning, uh, I'm recording this on uh, Monday the 3rd. So tomorrow, the 4th, Tuesday morning, dark and early, I'm going to try to get on the road about 4 o'clock, 4 or 4.30, because uh, it's about a 12, 12-and-a-half-hour 12 drive down there. Um, I'm sure I'm going to make some stops, so who knows. Um, yeah, so then uh, my uh, review, my weekend recap and rants are going to, <laughs> do an abrupt change the next week because it's going to go from ice fishing to snow goose hunting for the for the the recap part. So there we are. We're caught up with that. On the rant here, um, if you listen to the last one, I, I was going to talk about this um, kind of rolling back of some the Clean Water Act, and there's just so much hyperbole. Hype, wow, you try saying that word hyperbole there it is um surrounding it like your typical identity politic bullshit where uh either this is the greatest thing ever or this is the worst thing ever and so i kind of dove into it a little bit tried to get to the meat of it struggled to find um some balanced articles actually never really did so i kind of just had to go with like what it is what it means and so here's my take on this. I could be way off base, um, but here's how I see it. So to give a little background, really what happened is they kind of changed some definitions is when they said they rolled it back. And so obviously the hysteria on, let's say, the left is companies are going to start pouring sewage and, and chemical waste right into the rivers, and we're all going to die because our water is going to be poisoned and you know blah 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 blah. it's always the worst thing you could possibly imagine um so on trump's side you know his administration is saying you know this is we're getting rid of a, just the dumbest law that was on there um that defined these waterways these navigable waterways and this is gonna be a great thing for the farmers this is gonna be a great thing you know for businesses and jobs and you know of course they put their spin on it so here's me in the middle looking at, okay, well, what's the truth, you know? Um, and this is kind of what I found. So they're changing the definition of navigable waterways um, kind of by removing temporary or seasonal waterways and ponds. So stuff that is fully dependent upon, like, snow melt, you know, spring, either mountain springs, <clears throat> temporary, hold, you know, temporary ponds once before the frost comes out. The snow all melts, you get these you get these temporary ponds that fill up. You know, and, and so for me as a waterfall hunter, 
Um, those are very important. A lot of uh, waterfall use those in the spring um, to raise their, you know, to get started and to raise their brood, and then they dry up in the summertime, and once the ducks are all hatched out and on about their business. So those are kind of a good thing. Here's here's the risks involved, and here's where the left is coming from with their, you know, scare tactics, but there's a, a sliver of truth to it because – now I want to be clear. This is they're lifting federal. This is on a federal level now. So um, these temporary streams now are not going to have the same protections that they had before of nav- navigable waterways under the EPA. So um, they could be developed. Um, they could be tilled under. Now a lot of those are a lot of there's already um, as far as farming goes. There's always already some exceptions to that rule, and we we know as you know your pheasant hunters or your waterfall hunters that spend any time in the Dakotas and the pothole region know that there's you know less and less potholes every year, and farmers are tiling fields and they're draining wetlands and um, and that's not necessarily a great thing. I mean I don't mean you know to start a fight with with farmers and I know they're they're trying to make a a buck as we all are. Um, but at some point in time, you have to look at a greater cost than money, you know. And if we as hunters are going to take on that role of conservationists too, we got to kind of look out for stuff like this. So that's probably not as big of a problem because, like I said, they already have exemptions for some of those rules. But the temporary streams can be a problem because – Anything downstream is going to be affected. And even if they're temporary runoffs and somebody builds a factory or a development or whatever it might be, you know, maybe this, this, these streams only flow for a little bit, but they're dumping into major rivers at some point in time. You know, So it's almost like it's not my problem, it's somebody else's problem kind of thing. So that kind of raises some flags. And so you can kind of see how the people on the left are going a little crazy with that. Um but I also do, you know, see the other side. You know, I I am pro-business. I'm not, you know, I, I like to see development within reason. Um, but when it comes to our wild lands, I think, I think we really, really got to be careful with, you know, what we do with that. And I, in again, in this age of identity politics, you know, you got to stop and kind of check yourself. You know, if you're, if Trump's your guy and you really, and you really like Trump, you know, we have to be honest with ourselves. He's not everything he does is the best thing ever. And on the, the flip side of that, as far as people that align themselves with the democratic party or the liberals or the progressive or whatever the hell you like to call yourself, you know, not everything Trump does is the worst thing ever either. You know, like, I don't know why everything has to be this crazy ass extreme all the time doesn't really seem to make any sense to me um so my take on it is i kind of feel like it's probably not the greatest move in the world now the one safeguard we have is that because this is a federal thing states still can supersede that they can they can still have their own laws in effect you know and one of the problems is because this was a federal thing states didn't take the time to set up their own 
laws regarding that and protections uh, for that. So there might be a little scramble. Um, so, and again, though, it's not – you want stuff on a federal level because it's an even playing field. Because let's just say um, – let's just use Missouri and Iowa, for example. Let's say, you know, Iowa's north of Missouri. Everything's flowing south. Let's say Missouri, you know, goes ahead and they and they fix the laws and they have all their protections in place, so nothing really nothing really changed. Everything stayed the same. Your waters are great, but Iowa's like, nah, nah, man, we need to grow some more corn and more soybeans and more pig farms. So they take advantage of the of the new um, definitions, and now you got hog piss and shit flowing in these temporary streams. So they're all going down into the Mississippi or the Missouri, and now boom, Missouri has to deal with it. So that's why when it comes to, you know, watersheds and stuff like that, having those protections on a federal level, um, they really make they really make more sense because it's this is a shared thing. It isn't a, it really isn't a state by state issue. It it affects everybody. So I when it comes to man, when it comes to water and when it comes to conservation and environmental stuff, I, I really take caution because if you if you look at it like Follow the money. Like, why Why did they do this? What was the reason? Like, what was wrong with the way it was? And the only thing you can really find when you dig into it is develop developers. They, they want to build houses. They want to build houses. They want to build businesses. Um, farmers want to till it under. Um, so they're kind of selfish reasons. Now, do I think it's going to be, you know, dumping toxic waste right into the water. No, I don't think that's going to go on. I mean, there's still regulations governing that. Um, but so I, I don't, I don't believe in it's the end of the world stuff that they, that you read in these articles, but I couldn't really find a ton of evidence that supports that this is a good move. So that's, that's kind of where I'm getting at. Sorry, Trump lovers. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, it's it just, it is what it is. And, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, chances are you're an outdoors person. You hunt, you fish, you forage, you whatever. These are our wild lands. Oh, there was another aspect I wanted to bring up. Here's another thing that I didn't really find in any of the articles that about this because it was more like clean water and, and stuff. That was kind of the point of it. But something I think we should be concerned of because they changed the definition of a navigable waterway is depending on the state you're in and their trespass laws, you as a hunter, you as a fisherman or a hiker or whatever, you might lose access to land. If you ever used uh, the navigable waterways ruling to get to a certain hunting spot or a certain fishing spot, with this definition change, that might be done you might not be able to get to those spots anymore. So that's another reason to to kind of be concerned about this definition change. So look into it yourself. Um, try to draw your own conclusions and just know that when you read these articles that there's a ton of not necessarily misinformation, but they're definitely skewed. When you when you read these articles, you can tell within like two sentences what their opinion is on it. Like it's almost pointless to read them because it just you already know what it's going to be. Um, and that's the sad state of affairs, just in journalism in general in this day and age. It's hard to find a fair and balanced kind of viewpoint on something. I don't know. Maybe I need to write a an op-ed and send it into an article or something and see 
gets any traction. But I know I try to I try to see both points of view, taking as much information as I can, and then formulate my own opinion on it. That's what I've done, and there it is. So, all right, looking forward. Like I said, um, there's gonna be some snow goose hunting going on. I'm super stoked for that. Um, it's gonna be a ton of fun. So here we are again. If you haven't done so already, make sure you subscribe to this podcast. Share it with somebody you think would like to listen to outdoor podcast. Rate it and review it where possible. I greatly appreciate it. Um, so join us again. Uh, hopefully I get some snow goose hunting guests while I'm down there. I'm a little nervous about content because I'm going to be busy, busy, busy. So hopefully I can line up. I might just have to do more solo episodes. I don't know. I'll try to. Try to keep giving you guys good stuff. And if there's anybody you'd like me to try to get a hold of, um, I'll reach out to them. Or if you know somebody personally, tell them to contact me. Get a hold of me on Facebook or whatever. And uh, we can set something up that way. Also, again, if there's a subject matter you'd like to see me tackle, if you want my opinion on it, I'd be more than happy to do that. You can leave, uh, give me a shout-out on Facebook, Full Scale Outdoors, or write to my personal page dale luganville um, instagram snapchat all that good stuff so thanks for listening i really appreciate it don't forget whatever your passion pursue that full scale